Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Good morning to everyone here at our Keller campus. I want to look in the uh, cameras and welcome our Haslett campus and our McKinney campus and everyone joining us online. Hey, Haslett campus, we especially love you because we are Haslett people ourselves. We've been living in Haslett for 13 years, so we love what you're doing in our community. Let's give them a round of applause this morning. Also, I know this is uh, a traveling week for a lot of people, so those of you watching online or tuning in sometime this week, I wanna wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. And to everyone that's here, happy Thanksgiving to you. If we hadn't had the pleasure to uh, meet you yet, my name's Tyron, this is my wife, Betsy. We've been married for 24 years, we have four children, and we've been on the team here at Milestone, really serving in the same capacity, you in worship and me with our students in Next Gen. For the last 20 years, we're actually with Pastor Jeff and Brandy a couple years before we planted Milestone Church. So we, we were very young in, in, in life and in ministry, but we find ourselves still doing the same thing that we're doing today, and, and we love it. We love to get to serve uh, this church, and we love our pastors, and we're excited to be here today. This is your first time Yes, you guys, message, right? how about this? This is a different <laughs> angle, right? I'm doing a different thing up here. I get to stand before you and we sing together and worship Jesus, but I'm so excited to actually talk about worship with you guys this morning. So that's awesome. Pretty cool. We're, we've entitled this, this message a two-part message. So this weekend and next weekend, Pastor Jed will preach next weekend, but we've entitled it Thankful. We're gonna talk about something that's really um, a core part of who we are, which is, which is worship. I'm not a worship leader, per se. You don't wanna see me up here leading on a mic, but I do love to worship God. And it's because at a, at a young age, at 19 years old, separately, uh, both we encountered God, and it really just changed the trajectory of our lives. I have to say, too, Tyron is so good at so many things. It would not be cool if he, he would get in pride if he could sing and play an <laughs> instrument. Because one time he said, he said, <clears throat> if I were, you know, I've got everything except I can't sing. I didn't, play say, I didn't say I have He everything. said, I got the presence. I got the presence. I said, I could So just... the Lord humbled him, didn't give him that gift. <laughs> also, it's yeah. so funny. I'm just going to go here just for a second. It's pretty cool. Because we have four kids and now we added a daughter in love. She's so precious. Um, when our kids are little, he's like, our kids are gonna play sports. They're gonna be athletes. And I'm like, cool, awesome. And they're all creatives. Yeah, praise God. Who knew? It's all good. I watched football alone, but the Christians beat the Baptists yesterday. It's so. true, it's true. So, sorry, Pastor, <laughs> sorry. So we're talking about thankfulness. But I wanna make the connection between thankfulness and worship. Um, gratitude, really, thankfulness is a high form of worship. And Hebrews 12, 28 says this. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, have gratitude, and also worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. When you think about feelings, when you're thinking about a, an emotion, like I, I feel happy or I, I feel sad or I feel excited or I feel disappointed, 
that's really focused on, on you. That's focused on me if I say those things. Thankfulness is different than that because thankfulness always has to have an object of affection. We say thank you to someone for what they've done or who they are or, or, or just kind of something maybe they've given us. So thankfulness requires an object and that's what makes it different because it's a choice. It's a response. And God, his son Jesus, obviously is the object of our affection. And I love Psalms 50, 23, it says this, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So whenever we walk around with gratitude in our hearts, that also is a form of worship and thus glorifies God, not just what we just did singing and, and raising of hands. And that is part of worship, but worship is so much more than that. And depending upon your background, right? Um, I grew up, one side of my family was Catholic, the other side of my family was, was Baptist, so I was a captist. And I was really confused when it came to like, what is allowed and like, what are we doing here, you know? And so I want to just, um, you know, Betsy, would you just define for us, like, what is worship? There's so many things that I could say, um, but the old English word worship is a great um, way of explaining it. Worship is the ascribing of the highest worth to something or someone. So whatever you value the most, whatever is the greatest source of significance for you and security, you're worshiping in your heart. So we're created to worship. The Bible tells us that we're created to worship. We're worshiping beings. Um, so we are all worshipers. There's no such thing as a non-worshipper. But the choice is ours of what we will worship, who we will worship. So yeah. That's right. There, there are many different expressions. Now, depend upon, depending upon your background, how you grew up in church, um, you might have experienced one or more of these, and maybe some of these have made you feel uncomfortable, as it has me at different times. But different expressions of worship. We're talking about our voice. So speaking is a form of worship. Shouting, you're not a shouting church, but at appropriate times. Shouting is a form of worship. Singing is a form of worship. Now, our posture. You ever seen someone like maybe get on their knees and worship God and you're thinking like, what, what are they doing? Well, that's, that's a posture before God. That's, that's a bowing of ourselves before God. Standing uh, can be a form of worship. And my personal favorite, dancing, is, is a high form of worship. Here's the deal. Tyron's first ministry was hip-hop dance ministry. Right. In fact, when we first got married, or before we got married, actually, when we first started ministering together, I would lead worship, and then he would do hip-hop dance Not ministry. Not in the worship, though. Not in that the worship, but really it, it was part of the ministry yes. um, of presenting the gospel. He would do this routine with a friend, then they would share the gospel. Kids got saved. It was powerful. It's real powerful. Opposites attract. God uses all things, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was powerful. Yeah, and yeah. if you want to go down the rabbit hole, you might find no. Tyron doing some hip-hop dance yeah, don't on look. the YouTubes. Don't, but don't look. Don't look. You know. It's all good. Our hands. We worship God with our hands. So playing instruments. We just saw that demonstrated a moment ago. Clapping is, is a form of worship. And also one that probably makes 
different people are comfortable is the lifting of the hands. And depending upon your background, you're like, you know, either you kind of lift your hands like right here or you're kind of like way up, up here, you know, I'm kind of more in the middle kind of guy. I feel real comfortable right there. But, you know, when you think about it, like why do we lift our hands and worship God? I think about our kids when they were young and they would run up to you and, and they would lift their hands and they want, you to, they want to be with you. They, they want you to hold them. And you never look at your kids and go, you little charismatic, what are you doing? Put your hands down, you know? You, you pick them up, right. right? And so when we're lifting our hands to God, it's just another form of surrender. It's just another form of saying, Lord, I want to be with you. Right. But really the ultimate form of, of, of posture is what? It's our hearts, right? The ultimate like position, posture, um, of worship is our hearts. I think it's interesting that the Bible talks about our heart a whole lot. Our hearts are the seed of our affection. It's like the central focus of our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. And, um, you know, the greatest commandment in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Um, and the Bible tells us to guard our heart because out of it, whatever's in our heart determines the course of our life. It's pretty powerful words. It says, our hearts are deceitful and wicked. I remember when my kids were little, I would go to like a, a kid's store and the graphic on the t-shirt would say, follow your heart. And while that's cute, it's not true. It's not what we should do. We should submit our heart. We should follow Jesus and, and say yes to him. So our heart posture, God's after our heart. And really our desire in this time that we have with you today is that you would grow in your heart of worship, that you would grow as a worshiper of Jesus. So, yeah. So why, why do we worship? Like, why did we just spend you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes worshiping God? Why, why do we do that in our own personal life? And I'll, I'll say this, um, I know, especially for, for men, worship can be seen as kind of, ah, you know, it's kind of not really expressive or whatever, but I always go back to like, probably the one of the manliest men in the Bible, the one that slayed the giant. Um, I like to consider myself a manly man. You know, I can morph into different things, you know, not, not, not too creative, you know what I'm saying? Not too tight of jeans, but I can do it if I need to. <laughs> but I see my brother with a cowboy hat on over here somewhere. I could rock that too, you know? Um, but, you know, it, it's not about uh, a personality. It's really not about a certain type of person. It really is about your heart. When I when I was 19 years old and was just in a mess and, you know, Jesus found me in a place of just despair, trying to, um, you know, find my way out of a hole, out of a mess, suicidal. And when he met me, um, I realized that God was, was close and he's not distant, that he was caring and not so judgmental and that he really loved me. And that just did something. It was a love that I experienced and I wanted to express Myself, And I had to try to figure out, like, how do you do that? And we're going to talk a little bit about why we worship it. And the first reason, probably more than any other reason, is the song that we just sang. Jesus is worthy of our worship. I, I love Revelations chapter 4 and 5. Read it sometime. It talks about this scene that's around the throne of God even right now as we speak. It's happening. They're worshiping Jesus. He's seated on the right hand of the Father. It says, worthy is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And we worship Jesus. We put worth, we ascribe value to him 
because of what he did on the cross, because of the price that he paid that we would never be able to pay. We would never be able to get over that debt. And I know for myself, a lot of times when I'm worshiping God, I go back to the moment where Jesus touched me. I go back to that moment where I was such despair. No matter really what's going on in my life, it brings to the forefront of, of my heart this need and want and desire to express thanksgiving and, and gratitude for what he's done in my life. For me, I, even though you guys see me every week leading worship and all of that, worship for me did not start on a platform or with a genre of music. In fact, I didn't even know what praise and worship was growing up. My only frame of reference was the tiny church that I grew up in, and my cousin was the song leader, and she would say, turn to page 133, stanzas one, three, and five. We always skipped some stanzas. I never understood that, but we did. And so I had no frame of reference of what worship was. So it wasn't like, oh, I aspire to lead people in worship. While that's absolutely fine, it wasn't about that for me. For me, it was what you're talking about. It was this realization at 19 that before I did anything for Jesus, like in the middle of my sin, he met me where I was and he loved me with this kind of love that I had never experienced. It radically changed my heart. Like I had performed my entire life. It was part of pursuing a career in country music. And um, if you perform well, then you move forward. It's all about what you do. It's about my value and my worth was attached to how good I performed. And here was this God that was meeting me in my room by myself, not because of what I was doing for him, revealing his love, revealing his heart towards me, not for what I could give to him, but because he loves me, because he made me, he, he, he wanted to be with me. And it was that radical love that changed my life. In fact, I laid down everything. I, I grew up in Tennessee. I grew up in an amazing family that loved me well. We didn't go to church, um, but they were good people. And I, and I pursued a career in music. It was my dream. It was my family, like my brothers and I, we did it together. We had a, a lot of really awesome opportunities, um, as you would say, with worldly success. We, we opened for lots of country artists that you would know. We, we, we sang in front of thousands of people, but it was just empty and I couldn't figure out why. And I came to this place where I had to make a decision. Am I gonna follow Jesus fully or, or am I, what, what am I gonna do here? And I went all in with Jesus, laid down all of it. And I had happened to come to Texas to do a tour. Um, and I was at a local church in Texas and I just was like, man, I wanna be in a church like this with young people on fire for Jesus. So I went back home and I told my parents, hey, I'm moving to Texas. And they're like, why? And I said, I, I wanna go to church and I wanna learn about Jesus. And they're like, what cult did you join? Like, seriously, what is going on with you? But, um, you know, it was my proper response. When I realized Jesus gave everything for me, my only appropriate response is, God, here's my life. You can have everything. So that's where worship started for me. Yeah, it starts in the heart. Um, you know, we worship because when we gather in his name like we're doing right now, the Bible says that he meets with us. And I even think about like our, our Haslett campus meeting in a school. 
You know, I, I think about me so, uh, many times at night, you know, just in my garage or just we've gathered in homes with people and just kind of worshiped. And, and no matter what venue or where you're at, God meets with us anywhere. And it's a promise. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, this is Jesus' words. It's red letters. This is what he says. He says, where two or three are gathered there in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So Jesus the Holy Spirit can meet us anywhere, driving in your vehicle, at home, doing whatever. But when we come together, there is, there is a very unique manifest presence that God does. And the cool thing is, is that God can meet everybody individually where they're at. Talk a little bit about why we do what we do and how God shows up. Yeah, well, the Bible instructs us over and over again to come together in worship. It says in Psalm 34, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt, let us exalt his name together. Um, biblical worship and the worship of heaven is for and to God. Worship is for him. Um, not because he's an insecure God, but because he alone is worthy. We talked about that. He reveals us, himself to us individually, but the Bible be compares the church, us, and the church at large, not just Milestone Church, but the church as the bride and Jesus as the bridegroom. So I, I can't completely explain the mystery of this but there's something very powerful and significant when we come together in the congregation as the church, as the bride, and we worship and we meet with the bridegroom. He draws near to us. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And yes, he meets with us individually. But I think there's just this amazing power that happens and a nearness. God comes and he meets with us collectively. It's pretty awesome. It, it, I'm so glad that he does it. You know, worship also is there's an exchange. I, I, don't, I don't think this is something, especially these last two points that we're gonna hit, I think, I think people understand a lot of times the first two, but these two, I think they just kinda a lot of times just, we just gloss over them, but there's an exchange that happens when we worship God. Um, in Isaiah 61, it's the prophet Isaiah, he's, he's speaking and foretelling about Jesus and who he would be and what he would do, and, and, and he talks all about these exchanges that would happen and he says this, he would give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And you know, I've, I've been really honest, especially in the 16 and a half years that I was a student pastor and, and even these last six weeks I, I preached at Elevate and I, I'm really amazed and concerned about this generation and how much anxiety and fear and depression is grappling, grappling uh, young people, moms and dads, homes. I, I mean, kids come up to us all the time and like, I'm really afraid. I don't, I don't know uh, what college to go to, what degree plan. I'm afraid I'm gonna mess my life up. I mean, this is something we don't talk about a lot, but a lot of students that are encountering demonic dreams and tormenting things that are happening and um, I just had, I had in the last few weeks, probably five different moms email us and say, will you meet with my son? He's suicidal. And, and uh, I, I sat on this stage, stood on this stage a couple weeks ago and, and talked about just my ongoing battle that I've had over the years with depression. And, and, and you know, I called it silent suffering. Um, because I really feel like there's a lot of people that are suffering, we don't talk about it. We, we, we don't open up about it. And there's too many people silently suffering when there is an answer, when there is a hope, when there is a cure. And I, I learned this many years ago. 
that when I begin to worship God, that there's an exchange that happens. The Bible says you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, you know, it's kind of like, it doesn't, it, it, when I'm feeling heavy or when I'm feeling worried or frustrated, worship is probably not the first thing that I want to do. But I know it's a discipline. I know that when I get in God's presence, feelings don't really matter. Feelings are irrelevant at that moment because it's a spiritual thing that I'm doing. And when I get in God's presence and I put on a garment of praise, this is why I love worship. Is because worship is God's word in our mouths. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it eat its fruit. So when you sing, when you proclaim who Jesus is, it changes your perspective. And there have been countless amount of times where I've gone in one way and I've come out another. Now, my circumstances might not have changed, uh, but my outlook changed. And, and the way that I viewed you know, who God is in the midst of that circumstance changes. So I, I wanna encourage you that when you're feeling heavy, when you're feeling discouraged, when you don't know what to do, when you're frustrated, when you feel like giving up or running away, worship is something that you can do, that there's an exchange you can make with Christ because there's a real spiritual realm around us. If you looked around, we see all the physical things that are happening, but there is an enemy or an adversary who wants to take you out. I remember a specific time when our kids were little, and um, I know there's a lot of moms in the room. You know that time of the day where like, you've had lunch, you put your kids down for a nap, and it's your house is clean for like, 30 minutes and then they wake up and it's like they decide to dump every bucket out in the middle of the floor and it's just chaos like visual chaos there were legos everywhere i remember this day um, and i just was struggling with actually a health diagnosis that i'd received for one of our kids that was going through a really difficult season and nothing that we did helped it's like as a mom you want to try to remove any obstacle or remove any pain that they're facing and nothing that we were doing and we were praying and we were seeking god and nothing was working and then we received this diagnosis and we're like god this is so disappointing. And, and Tyron was at work and I was at home and the kids were, you know, running amok and there's stuff everywhere. And I just remember a moment where I just, there was Legos. I just took my hand and I just moved them out of the way. And I literally, I, I felt like I, in, in desperation, just got down on my knees and I just said, Jesus, I'm just gonna look at you. I'm just gonna look at you because if I look at all these other things, I'm gonna be completely overwhelmed. But I know you are who you say you are. You're a promise-keeping God. And I, and I can't explain it. That moment, I've, I've brought it up a couple of times throughout um, my time of ministry. That moment marked me because the, the chaos I was feeling on the inside literally ceased because he's the Prince of Peace. I turned my attention to God. That's why when we're up here and we're leading worship, a lot of times we, we encourage you to, to let's look at Jesus Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's put our eyes on him because there's all kinds of stuff. If we surveyed the room, this room is filled with challenges, filled with things that you don't have the answer for. And instead of just staying in that place of chaos, we, we can turn our attention to Jesus and find the peace, find the joy that we, that's found in his presence when we do that. I think one of the greatest ways that we can show Jesus how much we love him is in the midst mm -hmm. of the thing that we're going through to worship him. Right. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the challenge. 
I don't know about you, but I just visualize it's like a, it's, it's like kicking the devil in the face or something like that. You know, it's just, he's out to get us and he's so upfront with it and he's not, and we're so casual in response. We need to be more upfront with, with that, which, which leads us to the next point, which is um, worship changes the atmosphere. And, and this is something that has revolutionized my life is that the understanding that worship is a weapon. That worship is not just for people who can express feelings or just are really inward focus. You know, even if you're a man's man, we'll get this revelation. Yeah. Worship is a weapon that changes the atmosphere. And God has called us not to be thermometers. A thermometer reflects the temperature of, of the home or whatever. A thermostat sets the temperature. Right. And as men and women of God, we're not called to reflect what's going on. We're called to set the tone. Right. We're called to set the temperature. And, I, and I'll be honest, there's, not, there, there's been plenty of times where I haven't, I haven't done that. But we've come together and, and we've said, you know what? We're not gonna allow the enemy. Listen, you have authority in your home. You have delegated authority in your home. If there's chaos going on in your house, if there's division, if there's strife, the Bible says where there's strife and envy, there's every evil work. Well, what do you do? Well, you stand and you worship and you take authority over. You don't just let the enemy rule the roost. You say as a man or a woman of God, we're gonna change the atmosphere. And in 1 Samuel 16, 23, I don't know if you've ever really caught this in the story of King Saul when he disobeys God and God sends a tormenting spirit to King Saul. But there was a young shepherd boy named David who would later become King David. He was anointed, but this was before he was king. And, and he would worship God with his hands and with his mouth. He would play the harp and he would sing. And the Bible says that, that he, he, when he did that, it, it, it would soothe Saul's soul. And it would also send the, 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 the spirit fleeing. It says this, whenever the spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre or his harp and he would play. Then relief would come to Saul and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Early in our marriage, I remember, you know, when we got married, we were both, we both did not grow up in a church going home. So there, there was some decisions that we made. We're, we're kind of forging a new path as a family and it was tough. I mean, the enemy doesn't want you to like honor God in your house. He doesn't want you to take new ground for the Lord. And so early in our marriage, I remember just times where it wasn't like a, a, a lively discussion, like we say, you know, like we're having a lively discussion. We were fighting, okay? It was not holy. It was not godly at all. We were fighting. Now, not physically fighting, but just yelling and fussing and all of this kind of stuff. And I just remember this one particular night, we were living in this tiny little house. We had three kids already. And um, our house fit the family that we had at the time. Our cars fit the family at the that we had at the time. And then guess what? We were having another baby. Yay. You know, it was wonderful. It's a blessing from the Lord, but it was stressful. There's pressure. How many of us have pressure in our lives? Like things that pop up that are unexpected. Um, and so we're, we're literally just going at it about something. I don't even remember what it was. And in the middle of it all, I just stopped and I just looked at Tyron. I said, you know what? You're not my enemy and I'm not your enemy. We have an enemy. We're taking new ground for the Lord. 
and he hates it. The enemy, the Bible says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we think that he's gonna like do that just a little bit, he's after us. If we're going after God, He's after you, and so you have to stop what you're doing. What we did is a a word that we don't like to talk about a lot, but we had to repent. I repent, Lord. We we stopped and we said, you know what? We're we're taking authority, what you're talking about. We repent, God, for the way that we've treated each other. I'm sorry for the way that I've been speaking to you. I'm sorry. You know, asking each other for forgiveness, taking a second and beginning to thank God for his goodness in our life, pray over our household and change the atmosphere. I mean, it's really that simple. And I, I wanna encourage you, next time you find yourself in chaos, I had a friend walk up to me last night. She was like, hey, this was me just today. I was just having this really off day and I, I walked up to my husband. She's, she was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And she said, I just got in my bathroom and I turned on some worship music and I just set my heart on Jesus and it changed everything. And I know that seems like such a simple thing, but I'm telling you, it works. When you decide, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Don't let hours go of just chaos in your mind, in your home, in your heart. Take authority, take back ground that the enemy is trying to steal from you. I think I might run a lap around the church. I, I, just, I don't like bullies, man, straight up. I don't like bullies, and I don't like the devil bullying me, mm-hmm. our family, mm-hmm. and especially young families out there. Don't let the enemy bully you. Don't let the enemy come and dominate your home, you know? Change the temperature. That starts with you individually, and then that starts collect. I'm not saying you got to sit down and have a little worship circle with your family. You might do that. I mean, it might be a little weird. I don't know, but, you know? It's really in your heart and in coming together and walking through that house. You want to know what it really looks like? We've had to repent and then we walk in our house with family meeting. Family meeting. Family meeting. Get the anointing oil out. Amen. Like kids are like, what's this do? I'm like, it just, it sends the enemy running. That's all you need to know. Just a little bit. Don't be, they'll wipe it all over the wall and you'll see their hands. <laughs> For years. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're going to walk through our house and we're going to anoint our house. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus over our house. We're going to take authority. That might, that might seem crazy to some of y'all out there, and that used to be crazy to me too. But I'm telling you, it's biblical and it's in the Bible. And you can either have peace or you can have chaos. I grew up in chaos. I didn't do well in chaos. I don't like chaos in my home. I want peace in my home. And peace comes from God's presence. And that comes from a man or woman of God taking their stand and taking their authority. And I tell young people this too. Well, what do I do? My mom and dad, they don't serve God. It's just me. I come to Elevate on Wednesday nights. Well, that little space that's your room, you go in there and you, 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 you create a space where God can meet with you. Yes. And God's presence will surround you and will yes. protect you. And maybe what's on your life will get on your family. The ultimate form of worship, though, is not just singing or clapping or all those things. It's really our whole life. It's, it's, it's letting your life be an act of worship. And Romans 12 says this, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. I want you to listen to the message translation because it says it so well. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and your walking around in life, and place it at, before God like an offering. So 
We've been talking about worship. Now, that may be singing, that may be lifting hands, that may be when you're driving, but it's really even more than that. It's my life. It's taking everything I have, not compartmentalized uh, part of my life, but the whole self, the good, the bad, the ugly, the successes, the mistakes, the failures, the things I like about my life and the things I don't want anyone to know. I set them all before God as an offering. And I say, Lord, here's my life. You already know everything that's going on in my life. And I give it to you. Because only you, God, can take this life. And only you can make it glory. I, I can't do anything in my own strength. And so while you get up and you get ready for the day and you're going to work, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. God, I give you my life today. As you're at work, God, help me to serve the people around me. Help me to have your heart. Maybe not just with my words, but with my life. And in your home. And you're coming at the gas station when you're making those transactions. It's a smile. It's knowing that every part of my life can be an act of worship to Jesus. I, I love last weekend. I want us to throw up that miracle offering picture one more time because Betsy and I talked about this. It was so much more than people just giving an offering. Because I know many of you were like us and we felt like God was calling us to do something, but we were kind of looking at what we had and we're like, okay, well, how do, how do we do this, you know? And we had to sell a bunch of things. We had to sell some things so that we could give our best gift. And, and I watched, we watched many people come forward and put their offering in the basket. And, and you could have stopped, some of you could have stopped in the back, but walked all the way down and, and, and kind of gathered together as a family and prayed. And what that, what that showed us and what that showed God was, that wasn't just giving of money. That was a sacrificial gift, which was really worship. Because if you look from Genesis to Revelation, there really is no true worship without sacrifice. And, and that's what we did as a church. I, I'm talking Friday nights, our students did it. Our kids were doing it back. Kids bringing whole jars and piggy banks full of coins. And give, I wanna give all of it, mom. I wanna give all of it, dad. Are you sure? Yeah, I wanna give all of it. That's worship to God. It honored him. It honored him. What I want us to do is, I want us to stand to our feet this morning. And I want us to take just a, just a moment here um, to really put into practice what we just talked about. We're gonna, we're gonna sing, she's gonna sing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She's gonna sing. And, and I want you to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made. I want you to think about what he's done for us and express that in whatever way you feel comfortable doing. But no, it comes from the heart. That's really what pleases God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.